the level of technical skill set necessary to sell on Amazon is intense, man. And I always watch as the Shopify guy. And I always, and then people are like, can, can I do Shopify? I was like, dude, if you can sell on Amazon, you can do Shopify. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Most sellers don't know. Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to AmazonProfitQuiz.com. That's Amazon Profit quiz.com to get your free instant analysis hey folks this is michael Vizi from amazing fba podcast for amazon sellers i'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast the e-commerce leader which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers in this deep dive episode jason miles and i deep dive into a key e-commerce topic hope you enjoy the show <laughs> We are Michael Vizi in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, famous Dallas Cowboys coach Tom Landry once said, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you've always known you could be. Now, as e-commerce coaches and also people who have received coaching, Michael and I both know, of course, we're jaded about this because we do coaching as part of our income for a living, but we know that coaching can lead to huge performance breakthroughs. And so today's topic is a deep dive into how to maximize your use of a coach or mentor in your e-commerce business. Michael, are you ready to jump into this topic? I am. And by the way, I really like the Tom Landry code. It's tough love. I like that's my kind of style. I like yes. it. <laughs> yes. And for the Brits there, that is American rules football coach. He was famous for a football in the US, the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah, a fun, fun quote. And I think it gets to the heart of it, doesn't it? Which is a coach's job is to address issues that need to be addressed in a way that gets peak performance to occur. And that's the goal of it. And when that's done right, coaches are amazing and awesome and transformational. And of course, when it doesn't happen, it stinks. Otherwise, it's just somebody telling you who you don't what you want to don't want to hear and asking you to see what you don't want to see. So. <laughs> and you don't become who you knew you could be. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, become <laughs> Doctor Jekyll or whatever, and you don't do well with it. So yeah, this has got very dark very quickly, man. <laughs> But joking apart, yes, I think coaching is, I guess people come with high expectations and therefore if it doesn't work, sometimes they can be very disappointed. And that makes sense. I think high expectations aren't necessarily a bad thing, but I guess today we should explore what are good expectations to have from a coach and equally, what are things that you probably shouldn't put on a coach or try and get out of coaching? Because it can't be an answer to everything, although a lot comes out of it for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let me ask you just to tee things up for us. What do you think are the first reasons someone should hire a coach or consultant? Why should they do it? A couple of reasons. I think, first of all, if you don't do it, it's really hard to see the wood for the trees. It's very hard, particularly if you're a solopreneur and most startups are, if not all, it's sort of mom and pop or small business type startups as opposed to Silicon Valley funded ones. It's really hard to get out of your own head. And it's doubly true if you work on an online based business e-commerce by definition, the EBIT means that you are online and that's really critical. So you may be missing two things. Number one, you may be missing a, a danger because you don't know what you don't know. And you also may be sitting on an amazing opportunity that because for you, it's easy. You also don't see it. You often have a big vision and you may have a lot of experience, but putting those together into a longer term arc is often something you can't do. And uh, there's a big danger of making plans and not following through. <laughs> That's the number one thing. So there's many reasons why doing stuff on your own doesn't work. So the flip side of that is why you should hire a, a person. First of all, you can see the business objectively as an asset, incredibly important if you want to build it to sell. You can see hidden dangers. You can see missing opportunities. You can really clarify your goals, get it out of your head by articulating it to somebody else and then get a plan to get those goals. And then finally, and most importantly, having made plans, which is all very well, you actually implement. And I think for me, those are the main ones. Yeah. No, I love that. I think you're totally right. I think that's really the trick, isn't it? Is the implementation piece. And as the Tom Landry quote suggests, the coach sometimes can serve as that accountability to goad you towards what you maybe don't want to be doing. If you have an accountability partner to someone who says, did you do your 25 push-ups every day for the last week or whatever it is, if it's not e-commerce coaching, or did you send that email? Then, then you know that you've got somebody who's going to help you. And I, I think that's the main main trick of it. Let me let me ask you this question. I've got a story to tell, but I just want, I want to hear your perspective on this. Do you think there's a difference between a coach, a consultant, and a mentor? Those three phrases, or how, are they interchangeable in your mind? Or what do you think about the three? Very good question. I often feel a bit guilty about this because I, I use the word mentoring in this system that I've set up, which I've run for five years now, one-to-one -one coaching slash mentoring mm -hmm. for beginner uh, beginners in the Amazon private label space. Having said that, I'm a bit ambiguous about the word. And for starters, I get a bit careless about, is it the same as coach or consultant? Sometimes I've used them interchangeably. Yeah. And then I think, but actually I shouldn't do that because they probably are a bit more different than I make them. So I guess, mm -hmm. strictly speaking, I guess a mentor is somebody who's done what you want to do and just tells you what to do. Coach is somebody who encourages you. But having said that, Tom Landry, I presume, had been an American football player and was therefore talking from experience. And then, of course, the whole consultant thing, I suppose it implies more that you're brought in from the outside to look at an existing business. Well, that's the flavor for me, but I'm not entirely clear-minded about it. So I'm grateful for any clarification. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I just, I, as we were working through this little, you know, pre-show outline, I was starting to ponder this, but here's a framework I think I might suggest. What if it's something like this? I think there is some nuance here between the three phrases. To me, a consultant is a very short-term role that's a technical role. They're going to show you how to set something up or set it up for you or show you a technical skill set, walk you through that. Maybe So maybe the duration there is the shortest in my mind, I look at how I think about these. And then maybe a coach is a longer term relationship. Maybe not forever. It could be for a long term, for years that you could have a coach. And then maybe a mentor is someone who's in a different category altogether. So for example, I have somebody in my life who I consider a mentor. We go to breakfast together every Saturday morning. I don't pay him 
to be my mentor. He's just 15 years older than me and has been a business operator for his ad- whole adult life. And so we buy each other breakfast, take turns. I buy, I bought yesterday morning, he buys next Saturday. And it's just sim- simply informal. And half the time, we're not talking about hardcore business. But when we do, I look to him as I think an elder someone who just has more experience. Some areas I have way more experience. He doesn't know anything about e-commerce stuff mm-hmm. much at all, but finance and staffing and those kinds of issues, facilities, and uh, he's just gotten tons of trade skill and experience. And so I, th- I look at him more like a mentor. And so I think there is nuance there between the two. I would never, I wouldn't consider giving him money for what he does. Whereas yeah. a coach or consultant, it's a contractual relationship that it's a, it's a paid for position in your life. And so, I guess that's the nuance I would bring to it. I don't know if that makes sense or not, if that Yeah, it's interesting. I think I was just thinking maybe I should change the word mentoring, which I've been considering for years. But I think rather than worrying about semantics, I guess the relationship in the end, it's a relationship, isn't it? What you're talking about is the the nature of the relationship and the expectations. What is the kind of person? How long term is it? Does money change hands? There's an expectation of technical services versus kind of mindset stuff versus just somebody absorbing somebody's experience and i really like that that the i think the in the end two things strike me one is to be clear in your own mind what it is you're looking for and and it's hard to know i guess you need to look out there and see what the options are and it's very confusing i spoke to a guy on friday i think about the whole amazon coaching thing and he said it's so confusing there's so many people claiming so much stuff and i said i totally hear you go away and and think it through i said i can't actually work with you at the moment because i don't think you're clear what it is you're wanting and we talked about the business models we talked about comparing business models on Amazon. And, and of course, there's a lot. I really, what I should have done is say, go listen to this podcast and then we'll talk. In retrospect, I thought I wasted an hour talking to this guy when I could have just said, go and listen to Jason and myself talk about this. And actually, you should clarify, then go do some homework and then come back in two weeks. So mm. I guess if you don't know what you're looking for, it's hard to find it. But the other thing that strikes me is this, that what we've been talking about, I don't think there used to be either or in Jim Collins' phrase. I think it's both. And right. in the end, right. you can have people in your life. I've got somebody like that. He's a family member who's, mm-hmm. who would be insulted if I tried to pay him. It would be a weird relationship. And besides which, he makes several hundred thousand dollars a year equivalent. I can't pay what he's worth. Yeah. And But I learn stuff from him. And then I pay people for specific things for a specific period and then there are some people i've had for a longer period who've been more holding my hand but it's also paid relationships so i think the answer is to have all of them really in your life really and maybe we should do a whole another episode on mentors because i do think there's a category there you're right like the mentors worth having you couldn't pay them they're doing it out of the generosity of their heart or just because they find enjoyment in the intellectual curiosity of learning with other people or from other people. They're not in the business of high-performance coaching or anything like that. So, yeah, it's an interesting issue. So. Final to put a cap on that. It, this isn't just an abstract idea. I work with a very, I've got a very enterprising guy who's working in Europe and he's selling on marketplaces outside of Amazon, so Bull.com and other things. Doing really, he's had a really good start and he basically put together a kind of brains trust where I was in there and being paid for my time. He's got his business partner who's got about 10% of the business he's bought in. He's been doing some Excel whiz sheets, whiz, whiz stuff. So I've been saying, do this, that, and the other with the financial, my obsession with various financial things that are a bit complex. And then he's brought in his dad who's invested a bit in the company and then two other guys who are mentors from different industries one with a marketing background with an M&A background and actually it's super powerful and it was a really positive meeting and we're going to meet quarterly so in the end it can be as practical as literally putting those people in the same room 
and also having separate conversations. So there you go. It's not just an abstract thought. Yeah, love it. Love it. Okay, so I've got a story to tell you. And so let me share this story and then it can tee up some further insights, I think. When I was in high school, and I think it was a sophomore year, I had this idea to learn to play the game. And there was also a guy who was in high school with me named Norman, Norman Hetzel. I'm sure you'll never listen to this podcast, but maybe you will. Who knows? But great guy. And he also was going to learn to play the guitar. And so there we were, sophomore year. And so I knew somebody through my church who did guitar lessons. He was like a, a rock guitar guy and he was really good. And he did local lessons at the local music store. So I talked to him. His name's Jim Armstrong. He's a great guy. And so I signed up for music lessons. And so on his schedule at the music store down, I had rode my bike over there. And then, and, but then Norman Hetzel, his parents, or I don't know how he knew the connection, but there's a famous, famous guitarist, the Govia. And then you've heard the name. Michael, is this right? You know these things. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm an expert in, in classical guitar, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, of course, very famous. Segovia had this student named Christopher Parkening, and Christopher Parkening is also very famous in his own right, and he's on the West Coast here in California. And I believe it was Christopher Parkening, but this is 30 years ago, so I might have my facts wrong. It was him or one of his students, but I think it was him, but was a classical guitar teacher in San Francisco, and that was about two hours away from where we lived. And so Norman, as I recall, would go every weekend to, to San Francisco and get lessons from this, this famous maestro guitarist guy. And life goes on and I had done my lessons and Jim was really good and he was cool. But you know how it was like three months in, four months in, five months in, I'm like a G chord is hard to get your hands right on the guitar. I can't do any, anything that's, I can't do bar chords or anything like that. It's just open chords. And then we do this thing at our school, this Renaissance Fair. And the Renaissance Fair kicks off. And I see on the sheet of the events, Norman Hetzel, such and such song, classical guitar. <laughs> and he gets out on the stage for the Renaissance Fair and he just starts going, man. He is just like on fire, crushing on the guitar. And I was like, what in the world is happening right now? I, I could barely do a simple little song. And he is just rocking the entire school with this classical song on the guitar. And I always look back on that and I think, what was the process by which in three months time or whatever it was, five months time, he went from zero to on stage, everyone looking at, wow, Norman is amazing. And the process by which I went from zero to only knowing two or three chords in three to five months time. And I, and of course, the element involved is he found a teacher that was world-class. And it's, I'm not saying that the instructional content was maybe different. Maybe it wasn't, but maybe the act that of him having to go to San Francisco for a two hour drive every weekend and the stature of the guy and how much it cost yeah. and all of the elements involved in that escalating the kind of intensity of what was happening was a radical departure from my outcome. Interesting. And, uh, I think yeah. you've raised a couple of points, which is at the heart of this thing. It's, it's ironic that you're the one talking about music lessons as a, an example. I mean, you like that one. I've started so many lessons as the teacher and also the yeah. other side. I had a similar thing when I chose a, a teacher to play the piano. I was vaguely in the market for a piano teacher a few years ago. This is when I was already relatively advanced, you know, professional player, but 
and I heard this guy play. I literally didn't even see his face because his back was turned to me as it happened. Where this little sort of informal concert hall, and I thought, wow, that's my teacher. I want this guy. He's a Russian guy. Yeah. And I heard him play after being working with him for a few months, and he was just incredible. I'm like a full on piano virtuoso like no holds barred and yeah i think when you have massive respect for somebody when you really choose a person that does it for you and that's a personal chemistry thing isn't it yeah when you pay good money when you have to make efforts like i used to travel two hours to see him as well he wasn't that geographically far but it took me two hours on the trains to see him yeah we'd have tea from a samovar and he'd regale me with tales of various kind of things around russia and it was a whole cultural experience and maybe that's a blend of a coach and a mentor in a way that we're discussing here and i wouldn't purport to be this kind of giant figure in east commerce that wouldn't be me if somebody looks for me but nevertheless you could have a chem chemistry as somebody put it the other day and he's in the business of selling coaching but he's very good at it he said but don't buy coaching they buy coaches that they, they want a certain personal connection there's a certain spark that happens it's a relationship in the end isn't it yeah it's very interesting what you say i think the degree of intensity the respect you have for a teacher, the amount of money you've got on, the amount of effort you have to put in. Yeah. Th those all, it, these all have a big impact on the work you do when you get home, which is yeah. where the real learning happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, think that's, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is you put yourself in a situation in which you have to show up big time. Yeah. Because you've made a big deal out of having this coach. Yeah. And I would go to Pete's music store, which was the local music shop with the gym, my music instructor. And sometimes I would forget and I just wouldn't show up. And he'd be like, hey, man, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I forgot. And sometimes I'd get there and there'd be a little post-it note on the door. Hey, bro, I'm at pizza with everybody. Come over to Straw Hat Pizza. <laughs> like, so some, it was just that level of informality. And that wasn't yeah. his fault. It wasn't my fault. It was just the nature of the relationship. And so I think there's a lot there to think through. Okay. So yeah. hopefully that I knew that you would like that story. And uh, certainly listeners can relate. I imagine most people have tried to learn to play some music at some point with varying degrees of success. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the, how do we deal with these areas? And you were saying there are a few different areas that you were thinking of that come out of your guitar story as well. So yeah. What do you think are the sort of areas that, that that coach provided for your friend or mentor, whatever it is, that you didn't get from your teacher? Yeah, I think there are probably four or five areas that a really high-performance coach brings to the party and creates the context in which you bring to the party. And so I'll just mention them. Let's just say there are five things here. The first one is technical skill improvement. And so the technical skill improvement in our world, of course, is e-commerce operation. And you guys who sell intensively on Amazon and are expert at that, and I watch because Kyle, our, my business partner, is the Amazon expert that works with our coaching clients. And I got to tell you, the level of technical skill set necessary to sell on Amazon is intense, man. And I always watch as the Shopify guy. And I always, and then people are like, can, can I do Shopify? I was like, dude, if you can sell on Amazon, you can do Shopify. It's like <laughs> Amazon is like a Swiss army knife of complexity that you, so anyway, so technical skill improvement is one thing. And you'd be surprised how many times there are competent sellers, really successful sellers, but they have this huge gap in their knowledge. They, there's a whole part of something that they've never even heard about or learned about, never poked into this whole area of whatever it is on yeah. Seller Central and Amazon, for example. Mm -hmm. And so that technical skill improvement is, oh, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Uh, and that's the first thing. I, and I've got five of these, but any thoughts on technical skill improvement? 
Yeah, and I think that it's a bit more like what you were talking about to use a framework that we discussed, the sort of relationship. That's a bit more of a consultancy type relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that either. I think I've got a kind of relationship with a couple of people. One one is an American guy that I'm talking through with how he can sell better in Europe and cultural adjustments and the sort of whys and wherefores Americans getting their head around VAT is quite hard Mm -hmm. and obviously I'm not in the business of tax advice but I can give them the basics and then put them in touch with somebody who can explain it better yeah so I think that's really important and exactly as you said selling on Amazon is so many multi-sided and really complex and very technical that there's bound to be Mm -hmm. gaps in your armor and I find it relatively easy to help actually it to my surprise recently realize more and more it's easier to help a seven or eight figure amazon seller than it is somebody who's a beginner because a beginner is kind of all over the map with everything whereas somebody who's got really amazing operational ability but is really lousy at at doing good listings is actually pretty easy to help because they've already got cash flow they've already got the difficult bits sorted i think for me and i can help them with what i think of easier the marketing piece i think we found that too yeah, mm-hmm. we found it as well, where if there's somebody who has momentum, they have sales velocity and they have their product sorted out, and but then they still have big gaps. Yeah. And so that technical skill, and for us, for the context in which Kyle and I coach, we frequently get successful Amazon sellers who want to expand into omni-channel. So they want to go onto Shopify or, or maybe they want to go onto Walmart and they know that Shopify is central to that. So. Yeah. We, so what ends up happening is you have somebody who's very competent, technically just crushing it on Amazon, but then they have very basic questions about Shopify. And the common answer is that we give is, oh, it's easy. Don't stress. Here's how yeah. you do this. But they just don't know. And so you're just, you're learning new skill sets. And a good coach does that. It's here's how this new thing works. And that's important. All of these attributes your coach has to be able to do. So you have to have a coach that actually knows the technical components of these platforms. And for Kyle and I, it's been fun because he's just insanely expert. And we've, and on my side, I think we've done now 2.6 or 2.7 million transactions through Shopify. And so it's fun to spend time and energy with people on Shopify. So that's the technical skill set piece. That makes sense. Yeah. And so what's your second piece on this? I think business advisory. And I think you could almost even call like an, we've had coaching clients who have said, you guys are like an informal board of directors. And, a board of, and I run a charity as well. So powerful is our charity. And I have a board of directors and a board of directors is there to give you business advice and serve as a sounding board for hard decisions. And so there's got to be a level of maturity, a level of just, you know, years of experience, miles on the odometer, kilometers on the odometer, where you can say, hey, my, my coach, yeah, he's done this stuff for a long time. And I asked him about this and here was his perspective. And you've got to have a coach that you trust that okay this they've been around the block a lot of times yeah and uh, these hard choices that i'm making are still unique they're still my decision they're still yeah. my responsibility to execute on but at least i have someone that i can ask the hard questions to that i can really talk through the issue with because i think a lot of us as small business owners in the e-commerce space find ourselves making increasingly complex decisions in a vacuum of, you know, conversation, we just don't have people we can talk to. You can't talk to your employees about some stuff. You can't talk to your family about some of this stuff. And you can end up in a situation where you just don't have good input or advice from wise peers. And I think a good coach can really help in that regard. Yeah. And to the point we were making earlier, I suppose I made this point already. I guess that I I think the board of advisors, it's really the right way to think. There's this, there are a few 
A few things. First of all, the Tom Landry coach quote, somebody who tells you what you don't want to hear. A, a lot of yeah. the time, I think the value I bring to a lot of my clients is simply, please don't do this. It will lose you a lot of money. <laughs> and especially when you're importing a lot of private label stuff yeah. from China, $10,000 a pop plus the launch cost yeah. plus whatever opportunity cost of not doing something else with that money for a year and whatever yeah. you're doing with your time. And, and beginners don't like that. And I find that the more advanced people are like, yeah, I thought so. I just needed to hear that. Yeah. It's very interesting. And that yeah. comes down to this sort of maturity of the client, frankly, how willing they are to listen to expert advice and without either being overly influenced by it and, and yeah. neglecting their own sort of trust in their own instincts, which I guess is developing, but may not be very developed or on the other hand, trying yeah. to pass responsibility for everything onto everyone else. And yeah. that, that relationship is really tricky, but I think it's essential like to be the CEO, to surround yourself by expert advisors, not just a coach, very least an accountant and a lawyer. Those are the minimum. Yeah. And if you're importing from China, a freight forwarder, probably a VAT expert, if you're trying to mm -hmm. sell in into Europe now, yeah. those are the minimum. That's at five. I mean, without talking about photographers and other people who aren't really advisory, but you outsource work to. So, yeah. You know, that in the end, you're going to end up with more and more people giving you input, which yeah. I think is essential. But you equally need to know what your role is as the business owner. Yeah. And in the end, you are free to ignore it once you've digested it. But I think it's silly not to at least ask for it in the first place is my take on that. I think there are very few times in our coaching experience and that Kyle and I would say we've had an ultimatum with somebody where we said the phrase that I remember, I don't know why it's, but I think it's Billy Bob Thornton in the movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis, where they're drilling into the middle of the asteroid, but they're not meeting their goals. They're like, they're behind on their goals. Yeah. And then the president says, I'm just going to blow the whole thing up with a nuclear bomb. And then I remember Billy Bob Thornton says, I guarantee you, if you push that button, you kill us all. And I remember like that. It's like such a pivotal moment in that movie. There's very few times in a coaching relationship where you have to say, I guarantee you, if you push that button, you kill your business. <laughs> but, but on occasion. Occasionally it is. There yeah. are those choices where yeah. as an outsider, you say to yourself, oh my gosh, please listen to what I'm saying right now. And sometimes yeah. they do. Yeah. And sometimes they don't. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're not on the field of the game playing for them. They're the ones that are running their business. And you just have to give your best advice mm -hmm. uh, with clarity and believe in the best of for their own outcome. But yeah, anyway, so that's fun stuff. Though. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I've had conversations like that. And yeah, we, nobody has a crystal ball. If you've been around the block enough times, yeah. your crystal ball is probably better than somebody who's not. But you could in be a wrong. particular area, but you could be wrong. And that's the mind F, the mind bending bit, to put it politely, right? And there's no such thing as certainty. There's only opinion, but some opinions are worth listening to. And there are quite a few examples in business life of people ignoring their coaches or consultants advice. But I tend to go with probability and I want high probability of success. And if there's a lot of money involved, you want to either a very, it comes out to the asymmetric risk reward thing. In essence, what a good coach or consultant, whether it's a lawyer, to, to include them in that for the moment, or a very, very technical consultant, an engineer, perhaps, etc., then they are there to de-risk things, I think. That doesn't mean that you don't therefore say yes to a project that they are a bit iffy about, but at least you've thought it through and you know what the risks are and so you could at least mitigate them yeah. in some way. So yeah. there you go. Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. So consultants and coaches, 
obviously sounds like a bit of a self-serving episode because Jason and I do indeed coach and consult. Having said that, we both have our mentors and coaches and consultants that we have and still have relationships with. And I do think it's an important possible way of moving forward with your business if it's right for you and if it's the right person. So just a quick recap today, why anyone should indeed consider using a coach or a consultant. If you don't do it, you it's impossible to see your business objectively a lot of the time. You may be missing a downside or an opportunity. And of course, you could be above all making wonderful plans. But if you don't have somebody holding you accountable, it's hard to get implementation to be consistent. And I do think, honestly, that's one thing you can't replicate with a mastermind compared to a coach. A coach can give you a lot of things that a mastermind could also give you. But that personal accountability piece and really fine tuning it to your particular situation is impossible to create in any other way, whether that be a book or a video course or even a mastermind. Interesting, the difference between a coach, consultant and a, a mentor. And in the end, I think as we agreed, it's not really about getting obsessed with the words so much as thinking about the kind of relationship that you need to move yourself forwards. And I think that is important to think through and then trust your gut when you meet somebody and whether they're the right person for you. And then we've talked about the different areas that you could be using to improve your game with a coach, um, technical skills, business advisory and a cheerleader, warning provider and a confidence builder by understanding a framework or the context that you're operating in, which again, is hard to do on your own. You need to know other businesses, other norms of your industry. And that's hard to do without other things in your life, like a coach. And I would also say a mastermind. Since Jason and I do often coaching, let's keep it simple. If you want to work with Jason, he works with his business partner, Kyle, so they can cover both the Shopify and Amazon side, as well as the broader picture of e-commerce. They have a six-month program that's $2,000 a month, and that's at winningonshopify.com. And uh, it's application only. They also have the CEO mastermind that meets each other weekly. And from my side, we have amazingfba.com forward slash mentoring. That's a one-to-one program that's been running for five years now. Somewhat less expensive than Jason and Kyle's program, but I'm also not in the business of cheap coaching because I don't think it serves a client in the end either because if you don't commit you're not going to get much out of it and therefore as we discussed really it's got to be all in or nothing i think really that kind of relationship i've also been running mastermind for seven figure sellers six seven and in a couple of cases eight figure sellers called the 10k collective of course and that's at the amazonmastermind.com so if you want to check any of those things out obviously if you're looking for somebody with the shopify expertise there's no question that jason is the man of the hour sometimes we get people who come from both sides of the pond so jason has british british clients and i've had american clients but it's fair to say that time zones can come into it if you're wanting to get coaching in the end you just got to choose the person that makes most sense for you if that's either of us we'd be honored to work with you but much more broadly i think it's good to think this stuff through to neither throw the baby out with the bathwater, as the saying goes and assume that all people in the e-commerce space are charlatans or worthless but equally not to be too naive either and i think there's a middle ground which in which you will find some really helpful useful people that will help you move your business forward Anyway, good luck with your search, and if we can help, do get in touch. Otherwise, please don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you get updates each week into your podcast inbox effectively. And also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave us a rating or review. That would be incredibly kind. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. 
and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, if you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com slash 375. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.